Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Season 5 of Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. I'm your host, Molly McElroy. Guys, today is a very exciting day because I have Troy McEady with me and we're going to talk about an amazing film from straight A's to triple X. It's the real life story of Miriam Weeks, a.k.a. Bell Knox. And Troy is the perfect person to talk about this with because he and I were perverts together. We're, we're little, we have our little perversions and we're like little kids who found a porn and giggle about it. Um, and Troy, welcome to the show. Thank you for doing this. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to do this movie. I, lo- I loved it. So I'm like really excited. Yeah, we did Bling Ring last year. Um, and I probably wouldn't have chosen another pop culture type movie for us, even though that is sort of our thing. I want people to see that we have a multidimensional friendship. <laughs> yeah. But because um, we really do. You're so special to me. Um, but yeah, this happened to get voted on in a poll by y'all. So this is basically something that you picked. Maybe one of the other movies you and I can do as a mini episode or something. Yeah, I would love that. I would absolutely you, love that. You were a Manny. I didn't know that. We were going to maybe do Manny Dearest. <laughs> and I didn't know that you were a Manny. Yeah, I was a Manny for like, like, honestly, for like 16 years. Like I was like a Manny with a capital M. Oh, my God. So, like, this started in, like, high school or something, right? Because you're even younger than I am. Yeah, it started in, like, I I was, like, taking care of kids too young. Like, you know, sometimes you, like, like, kids will get hired to, like, babysit that are, like, basically kids. I was getting babies, or I was babysitting when I was 12, and my mom also had babysitters for me until I was, like, 16. So if she left town, she would literally just hire a girl that was, like, three years older than me. And it was, like, Caitlin from church. And so (laughs) it was just, like, really weird because we were basically peers. Like, we were in high school and college together at the same time. But but, uh, yeah, anyway, um, so you were a Manny. I can't imagine how soothing that would have been to have you as a, as someone watching me. Well, the really fun thing was like, so I was a Manny for a family. It was, I, I took care of a baby, but the baby had an older sister who was like maybe four years younger than me. So she basically was like my little sister. And like, I like, we like did all this debaucherous stuff together because we were like two teenagers hanging out in the house all day with like a wad of money from her mom being like order pizza so like you know we were just like teenagers having fun and like also taking care of her sister you know what i mean i absolutely do do you keep in touch with them still 
Yeah, the little girl that I used to babysit is like 40 years old now. It's very strange to see her on Instagram, like, thawing out. Like, it makes me really uncomfortable. Troy is, like, by the way, like, four years younger than me. So there's, like, no way that that's true. But I see, no, my having a younger stepsister who was six when I was 22 and watching her grow up, I'm like, excuse me, who gave you permission? Like, who gave you permission to grow up? This is insane. It's super weird. So now she's like older than her sister was when we were younger. And like, you know what I mean? It's just very weird. She's like a full fledged adult now, like looking to like, I don't know. She's like thotting out on Instagram. It's weird. Like I have to like not avoid her posts because they make me uncomfortable. Yeah. I have been thinking so much about getting in touch with like the girls that I babysat when I was like all in, I think starting eighth grade through senior year of high school. And then I went to college and to this day, I still have a blanket that they gave me for my uh, high school graduation or going off to college or whatever. But they were such an important part of my life, the Edwards family and like their daughters meant everything to me. And I just like, I'm one of those people. I have a hard time like looking back. Like I have a really hard time to read for like reaching out with people like from my past like I'm so bad at that because I'm just like scared I don't know why I'm always scared and um I like I wonder what they're up to all the time I'm actually like working on something like loosely inspired by them right now and I'm just like it's driving me a little bit cray cray (laughs) I get that though because so much time passes that you feel like it'll be weird even though you like know in your heart that it won't yeah I mean that's how that's how weird it is that I just said a little bit cry cry like that's how uncomfortable I am like I'm just looking for anything to say um okay babe so let's get into this movie okay so you and I both have a passion for niche porn stars um but I think that you and I agree that these are some of the most celebratable people in our society they are literally so generous in spirit I love female porn stars so much I obviously can't say that I know all of them but in my experience they are like the friendliest most lovely like make you feel like a million bucks type people 100% agree like I also like I just love a girl who like this is interesting specifically because Belle who we're talking about is like already sweet and humble and genuine but then you add the fact that she's like <laughs> like studying like like feminist i don't know history in college and like studying to be a lawyer so she has all these like crazy ideals as to why she's doing porn and like she explains them in a really good way and in a way that i feel like i explain why porn isn't weird or like sex work you know what i mean so yeah. i love her i don't know i loved it yeah i think it's um i think it's really interesting to that you know we didn't really see this much in the show but or in the movie rather but you know it's very interesting that she came from this really strict religious catholic family in washington and then you know went off to duke and chose women's studies of all things because that probably would have been i mean going to boston college yes there was kids that studied that for sure but coming from Catholicism, typically that's not something that you're, like, led into at all. So she was already, like, a free thinker, and we see that right away when we meet her, um, for sure. But, um, let's let's start off by saying that Miriam Weeks did not authorize this film and disputes her portrayal in it. It is a little bit 
interesting to hear that simply because when you watch her, I think, is it like a YouTube series that she did, like Becoming Bell Knox or something? Yeah, it's like a five-part YouTube series. Each video is like four minutes long, so you can literally finish it in a couple minutes. But um, I thought that was weird, too, because the movie actually did a pretty good job of like trying to make her well-rounded. They also, like, ripped from that series scene by scene. Like, that's sort of also more my point, is, like, literally the scenes that you see in this little web show are what you saw in the movie, which is, I think, kind of what made it jarring for me. Because I had just watched this movie, and I had seen her interviews, like, a little bit on the like in the past. I'm a big View stan, so when you're cycling through enough View clips, that's going to come up for you. Um, and I remember the case at the time that it came out, like, just sort of, like, the Duke porn star girl, but I don't think I was like super tuned into it at the time. But watching this sort of glossy portrayal of it versus the real thing was really kind of depressing for me. I don't, and I, and it almost literally was like the same analogy of like porn almost, where like this movie was like a fantasy version of a very real situation. And it's hard because there's a lot of sadness that you see with Miriam as a human and in this movie. But at the same time, like with any sort of pity that you feel for her, it does feel like you're taking away like her agency, you know, because this whole thing is about choice. And with choice doesn't always come, you know, it just because you chose something doesn't mean you're not going to have to deal with all the ramifications of it. So it's it's really it really does bring up a lot of like interesting dilemmas for me, because every time I start to feel bad for her, I'm like, this is this is the journey that she wanted to take. And she feels very proud of that choice. So like, who am I to judge what comes next from it? I don't know. I found myself really like questioning that a lot, considering this is just a lifetime movie. But um the fact that she also disputes this brought up some of it for me because I'm like, dude, like this is literally what's in your series. I'm sorry you didn't get paid for it. Probably she probably refused to be involved. So therefore she didn't get paid. But it's like, dude, this is like literally your story. You had a very public, interesting story. Like I wouldn't say it's necessarily an honor to have a movie made about you, but it means that you had a big, impactful like cultural thing, which is what I think she also wanted a little bit. Yeah, I also like um, speaking of like the clips, especially for, like the, from the View. There's this moment where Sherry Shepard says to her, like, you know, like my heart breaks for you because I feel like all of your answers and all of your responses are like predetermined and like you've like had the script in your mind and like you know you're like saying what you think you should be saying or whatever which like Sherry Shepard is like no per like Sherry Shepard is the last person that should be like having her heart break for like the way that a woman is being viewed on TV I'm just gonna say that mm-hmm. but um I thought it was really fun I thought the movie did a really good job of like showing that side of her that does kind of speak in sound bites like she speaks in these like these like sort of like empty sound bites of like things that she thinks make her sound valid in what she's doing. You know what I mean? But not all the time she doesn't feel, it doesn't sound like she means them whenever she says it sometimes. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, I think that she's trying to convince herself a little bit. And we'll get into this. This is like, you know, well established to be a part of who she is early on in the movie. Um, Okay, so... We're going to open up on a threesome in a pool. This is sort of like that dreamy lifetime intro that they do where they show clips of like where we're heading. But we're going to go to the titles, which are, I think, pretty good movie titles. I enjoyed the font. Yeah, absolutely. I like that the X's were in pink. Um, the fonts throughout this, though, are really like they do sort of an amazing little like in the corner Chiron sort of moment throughout this movie and that font is pretty horrific but I didn't mind the titles um, so we see yeah there's like BDSM schoolgirls French maids the whole thing there's some medieval looking shit I don't know and then um, we're gonna see um, a studious girl who's worried about her flashcards um, and then spots her crush on the other side of the auditorium I guess we're at like a debate tournament is that what you would call it that's what I wrote it in my notes, a debate tournament, because I was like, what is this? Like, is this like a... I think I forgot the word tournament. Like, that's what I think I was having a hard time with last night. <laughs> I wrote debate competition, but same thing. Um, I've seen this movie before, by the way, you guys. Like, this is a movie I've now seen three times. Last night was my most recent viewing. Um, and I... this is The last one is when I do my notes. So, um just so you know what goes on over here. I don't know why I'm explaining myself to you. But she's talking to uh, her friend Amy, and she's very, very sexual when she describes, um, you know, what she wants to do with this man. And um, it's a little bit advanced, I would say, for her age, just in that she really sort of knows what she wants in a way that I certainly did not know how to express when I was in high school. Well, they do a good job in the sense of, like, a Lifetime movie of, like, dropping little hints that she's sexually adventurous, maybe. Yeah. and not, like, uptight. Because Amy's like, you know, you have a boyfriend. And she's like, so? It doesn't hurt to, like, you know, talk about it, um, which is true. Um, and I guess they're just, like, letting us know, like, this girl's got sex on her mind, honey. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So we're going to hear her first debate um, and then we're going to go to a scene where she finds out that she is going to be accepted to Duke. Let's play 154 to 418. Next, we have a Lincoln Douglas style debate on whether it is morally permissible for a victim to use deadly force as a deliberate response to repeated domestic violence. Speaking for the affirmative from Ferndale Prep. Miss Miriam Weeks. Miriam. Take your hand off. I affirm the resolution that it is morally permissible for victims to use deadly force as a deliberate response to repeated domestic violence. I define moral as pertaining to or concerned with the principles of right and wrong, permissible as permitted or allowable, a victim as a person who suffers from a destructive or injurious action or agency. My value for this debate is justice. Plato defines justice as doing well to one's friend if he is good and harming one's enemy if he is evil. Miriam, can you come in here? He got something in the mail today. It's from uh, Duke University. You ever heard of that place? Oh, honey, just give it to her. Let me see it. Uh, 
<laughs> oh my gosh, this is it. It's a big envelope. Is that good? Only one way to find out. Daddy's first, and you're willing to work hard. Good things, things happen. happen. What kind of financial aid package did they offer? Ah, uh, that part of the offer appears to be a little underwhelming. It's Duke, though. But Vanderbilt offered you a full ride. It's just as good school. But Duke is my dream school, and it's number one for pre-law. It's your decision. If Duke is what you have your heart set on, then we'll figure out a way to make the finances work. Thank you, Daddy. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> to the graduates you're here you're here so this girl is smart enough to get into duke and she also knows that she got into vanderbilt but she still doesn't know if a big envelope is good like that really threw me in this scene that she i i was on the mailbox like i was inside of the mailbox when i was waiting to be accepted to college and i knew that everyone knows the big envelope is what you want yeah, I think I learned that from Laguna Beach, but yes. And so why is she, why does she not know this? She already got into a big school. It kind of like, these are the things where I'm like, is she low-key dumb? Or are they trying to like hint to us something about her being off? Or did they just like not realize that this wasn't supportive dialogue? I feel like they're constantly trying to push the narrative with her that she's like delight and like naive, like as smart as she is about the world. She's also like so naive about like everything she does, every interaction she has. She's like Snow White. That is true. I just think like I was like, guys, she has one quality. She's studious. Like everyone knows the big envelope. Um, I think I learned that on like Saved by the Bell. Um, but yeah, anyway, so there's a big dinner that night for Miriam and I think her boyfriend, Josh, and their two families are really close, I assume, through the church. She's obsessed with her big brother. Her big brother is like very involved with her life. And you were talking about her big brother to me last night. I feel victimized by him. I'm like, I like he is the worst thing about this movie. If there's anything that I'm going to rate this movie low for, it's his <laughs> presence. Like, I cannot. He's 48, by the way. No. <laughs> Wait, I just really screamed. I'm sorry. <gasps> I'm I, just kidding. I, I oh, oh, my God. Why? <laughs> oh, my God. I just like shot my heart out. What is wrong with you? I literally because you pointed it out last night. You were like, this man doesn't have a job. And I. <laughs> Does he leave his parents' side, like, ever? Like, he's so crazy. He's, like, giving full Norman Bates fantasy in this movie the entire time. Well, we know he's at least out of college because later on we find out that he stayed in co-ed dorms when he was in college. So he is, like, out of college, still living with his family. But you're so right for all of the judgment that's thrown at her throughout this entire movie. What the fuck does her big brother do? Yeah, like, do you work, sir? I think he volunteers at the church. I mean, and that is not that is not a job. But, you know, I I guess he keeps his hands busy. 
I don't know. Yeah. Basically, she's sorting, uh, sort of trying to feel her boyfriend up at the table, and um, he's, you know, as as she's sort of he's batting away her hand. Her father or his father starts to say grace. So I think that this is letting us, the audience, know that this is a very religious young teen couple, and she's a little bit hornier than she should be. So um, after the dinner, she runs up to Josh and is like, you know, what's going on? You've been acting weird. And he's like, no, I'm not. Which, (laughs) yeah, you are. Like, whenever people say they're not being weird, they're probably being weird. Um, And he says, you know, I don't want you all all over me all the time. Listen, we're going to be on opposite coasts next year. I don't think we should stay together. I want us to enjoy our experiences. And she's like, oh, you want to be with other girls? And he goes, listen, I made up my mind. Don't embarrass yourself, Miriam. Oof, that is cold. (laughs) I know. And then he, like, runs off into the bushes. I know, but don't embarrass yourself, Miriam. That is, like, so uncalled for. I know. Like, immediately after dinner, like, we just got done eating. Yes, exactly. Like, they're probably boxing up the leftovers, and then they have this conversation over by, like, where you get the mints, and then he just, like, runs off. Also, like, you know, typically, like, everyone knows breaking up with your high school boyfriend or girlfriend, it's like a trope, like, in the world. It just doesn't, it's it's not an easy experience. I think Josh is is coming through with, like, a real, with a real attitude here, and I'm not sure how things are going to play out for him in the long run. Um, but yeah, so she updates her Facebook to say that she's going to Duke and she's single and she changes her status to say we can only move forward. (laughs) Troy, Troy, are you comfortable telling your story about, (laughs) about the Facebook status update (laughs) with your friend that you looked up? Oh my God. So like when I first started using Facebook, like 2007, I was like a full on like dad, like pecking at the keys and like trying to figure out this new, like this like new technology, like the new world. And I was trying to like, I was so excited that I could just like type in people's names and like creep on their life. Yeah, and I didn't realize that I like <laughs> this guy's name that I wanted to creep on my Facebook status for like two or three days, and then finally I checked it, and like people like liked it. <laughs> but I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me right now?" Like my status was just like this guy's name that I was not friends with for three days. Oh my god! <laughs> and didn't you say it was like, a bunch of different versions of his name typed or something? Yeah. It was like his name spelled right, his name spelled wrong, his name with like <laughs> like the capital in his last name and then not like I'm pretty sure it came up in my memories like a year ago and I wanted to literally die. Troy, I can I I'm so sorry to expose you like that, but you told me that story to make me feel better about something that I'm not ready to disclose. Um, and it not only did it make me feel better, but like <laughs> it's it's a phenomenal story. It's probably my favorite Facebook update story I've ever heard. So um, we're at Duke now. The whole family is there. They're moving her in. And it's definitely all of their like first time ever going to this campus, which is wild to me because... I guess there really are people that do that, that just blindly apply to colleges across the country and then show up. But, um, yeah, they're acting like they've never even seen a picture on Google. And um, 
as the dad is moving her in, he gets a phone call, and right away, you know it's a bad one. So he's like, everyone else go inside, I'll be right in. So once she gets in there, the whole family, mom is realizing that this is a co-ed dorm, and she's very scandalized by that. Miriam's like, you know what? Paul lived in a co-ed dorm, and you didn't even care, so that's sexist. Um... I mean, good point, I guess. I think I would be more worried about my daughter living in a dorm, though. Yeah, I mean, I would as well, but they do... I, this movie does a really good job of just dropping little hints that she thinks differently than her family. Um, I mean, that's what they're doing, for sure. For sure, but... Yeah. But then the massive hint is that, like, her parents are just... Her family is absurd. Like, the, the low point of this movie, for me, is her parents and her brother. Like, they're just... Her mom is always, like, pearl-clenching and worried and nervous. She's, like, a lifetime mom on crack. Like, it's, like, so amplified. And her dad is just so doting and, like, wearing the same sweater vest every scene of the entire movie. Like, they're just outrageous to me. Yeah, it's, it's like, punishing, basically. Because, like, they have... There's no break from it. You never even see them, like, share a laugh as a family. And in Lifetime, even the lamest characters will have, like, a, a smile or a sense of humor about something. The only moment of joy they have together is when she gets into college. And even that seems like something that fucking no one has had a discussion about leading up to this. Like, this family, a big problem for me with this movie is how this family also went into a lifetime, like, a lifelong commitment, sort of, with no plan. Like, at all. Um, Like, they just sent her away and they're like, oh, by the way, yeah, you even be able to pay for school. Like, what? Yeah, there's a lot. So it turns out that her dad has been called back to Afghanistan. And they don't really fully explain this, but I'm guessing he was a military doctor who's been called back on duty and he needs to, like, suspend his private practice to serve. So obviously now he's not making that big pay cut that he was making when he um, was doing a private practice. Um, so right away, knock, knock. Are you my new roomie? Um the queen is here yeah this bubbly little southern girl enters and she's so excited to meet them her name is jolie she's from new orleans and Miriam goes oh nola cool (laughs) i've always wanted to go to mardi gras and and jolie's so patient she goes actually jazz fest is better but you know like so she right away I th- I thought that everything was going to go wrong with Jolie. I assumed that yeah. she was going to be that that friend, you know. And there are a couple of things she does throughout this where I was like, oh, this would be a very destructive friendship in my life. Um, but she is, yeah, she's everything you hope she'll be the moment you meet her. So um, I wrote in my notes that Jolie studied Blanche Devereaux as her like inspiration for a Southern accent. Yeah, so the actress's name is Sasha Clements, and I actually really liked her. I She was in Degrassi's Don't Look Back um, movie in 2015. I never saw that. Um, but she mostly has worked in children's television. She hasn't really done anything except for something called Witches in the Woods since then. And I really kind of thought she was a pleasant little actress. I loved her. And she's gorgeous, too. She is beautiful. She reminded me of... Um, I Carly. What's that little girl? Miranda Cosgrove. She has a Miranda Cosgrove look to her. Yeah. Anyway, so 
as soon as the parents leave, Jolie's like, you smell that? The sweet, sweet smell of freedom. <laughs> so they're getting ready to go out to a party that night. And Jolie's already socialized herself pretty nicely on campus. And you would kind of like... You'd assume that she's been there for a, a million years. Yeah. Um, I want to say trigger warning. I probably should have thrown this at the top, but this is also a pretty um, wildly themed episode. So I don't know if you I don't know. But whatever. I want to say a trigger warning that Miriam Weeks is a cutter and there's going to be a couple scenes in which that is mentioned. Um, and right now is where um Jolie sees for the first time that she has really bad scarring. And this is true for Miriam Weeks as well. She has the word, honestly, she had the word fat carved into her legs like several times. Um, when she is a very slender girl. And this, I mean, obviously, I realize that this is like, you know, I, having had so many issues like this myself, I know that the two are not connected, but like it's, it's really sad. It's like hard to see because it's very, very, very like on on the actual bell. Like it's really visible and it's it's there. Like the word "fat" is written on her thigh, and just like sort of the bigger picture of it. You know what exactly what, the way she sort of feels about herself, and she is. You know, she is very she's concerningly thin and like I don't know if it's rude to say that, but she really is. So. At the same time, as much as you want to say this girl, you know, she's making her own decisions, whatever else, there's a, a big piece of it where I'm, like, worried for her a little bit in real life and, I guess, in this movie as well. Um, so, uh, they are going out for Independence Day. It's the last big... Oh, sorry. One second. Um, so, they're going out for Independence Day. It's the last night of... Um, school before classes start that was a big deal at my school too and Jolie notices that Miriam has severe scarring on her leg and Miriam's like it's no big deal I had an emo phase in high school and Jolie moves on from it pretty quickly saying that she's ready to go get fucked up so um point out really quickly that like not to make light of what is going on with her leg but like the makeup that they used for it was in insane it looked like um deli meats cut up like it was like the weirdest it was like very that like sort of raised sort of prosthetic makeup yeah i wrote in my notes today (laughs) it reminded me of a nightmare a nightmare on elm street when freddie like writes things in people's bodies and it looks like claymation like it was like really raised and like animated looking yeah it was super poorly done i wondered if they had like sort of a pre-made piece that they would just like put on every day because i can't imagine that they like spent could spend a ton of time doing prosthetics um and she definitely the scenes where that part of her body is showing are you know sporadic for sure so i kind of wondered if there was like a piece that was sort of the same outline and the same stuff for continuity and then they would put the makeup on over it well, there is not to jump ahead, but in one of the scenes later where she's like doing one of her first scenes, when the girl goes to like rub her body, she like literally moves her cuts. Like she like moves them off her body. Like they like fall off and they didn't, 
<laughs> that, I guess. So I don't know. Oh, I didn't see that, honey. Yeah, oh my yeah. God. That's yeah. Well then there we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, again, the way that Jolie moves around the parties, you would think that she's been a ghost that's going to the school for a hundred years. She knows everyone, what all the drinks are, where to go in the bar, the room, whatever. Uh, Miriam gets lost in all of this very quickly. And she finds herself texting her friend, Amy back home. Mucho rich kids here. Miss you. Now, Amy's the girl from um, the debate team. This is a friend of hers that we're going to see throughout. This is sort of like her constant back home friend. So then um, Jolie comes back and tells Miriam that she's so popular already because she has this gift of gab. And Miriam sees a guy that she thinks is really hot. She's like basically, you know, he's JFK Jr. And Again, she isn't just like, oh, my God, that guy's really cute. She's like, oh, my God, like what I would do to him, like I would eat him up. Like she's very sexual with even just like a sort of like glance at someone. So Jolie brings her over to this guy. And at first he's interested. But something about the way she talks comes off very desperate. Um, Like she's like the weird girl at the party. Like she's a pretty girl. I think Jolie is definitely we see with both this JFK Jr. guy and then Jeff, who's this, you know, just guy on the hallway who's much less attractive um, and, you know, kind of nerdy. Um, This guy can't, he kind of responds to it the same way. It's like Jolie gets him in the front door and Miriam's definitely like the, the friend, so to speak. But then she also puts, she puts something out there. It's just a little like desperate and it's a little bit hard to read exactly what this actress is trying to do, but they're definitely trying to set it up as if she is some sort of person that like after a moment of talking to her, you're a little bit like, um, anyway, I'm going to go over here now. Like (laughs) it's sad. She falls into the cliche of like, like the nineties, like nerd girl cliche of like, take off your glasses and you're beautiful. But like, in this movie, she, like, keeps her glasses on throughout the movie and, like, becomes beautiful almost to say, like, all she needed was confidence because it was always there, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, her personality never really gets that much more comfortable. Right. So now we're going to hear her first class. This scene has a lot of setup for ideas we're going to see throughout this movie, but also the professor is very much that bitch. Like, I am so... I, by the way, let's just clock it now. Every important woman in this movie is of Asian descent, including Miss Bell Knox herself. Um, because her mom is Indian. Like, every single woman in this movie that is important and that plays an important role, Amy, the professor, the newspaper reporter, the woman who worked at the Women's Center. Like, there is just, it's just, this movie came through in a lot of ways. She's like Scrooge McDuck being visited by all these beautiful Asian women at night to like guide her on her journey. It literally is like all these gorgeous Asian women that like teach her something about herself. It's very, it's really weird, but I like live for it. Yeah. I mean, well, it just goes to show that this kind of casting can be done. You know, I think that a lot of times like sort of people be like, well, it's just hard to find like that many. It's like, so like if lifetime can do it, come on now. Yeah. Um, so let's play 1207 to 1420. Sweetheart. Bitch. Madonna. Whore. All of these words are deeply ingrained into our psyche, but what do they really mean? What we will do in this course is challenge ourselves challenge ourselves to re-examine our own beliefs and preconceptions. 
Hey, Mom, what's up? How are you? How's school? Um, it's fine. What's going on? Well, I needed to talk to you. Uh, your dad and I can't cover your tuition right now. What do you mean? We're overextended with the huge pay cut your dad has taken. You said it would be fine. It will be. Don't worry. It just means you take out some loans. No, I don't want to do that. Dad was still paying off his medical school loans until I was in middle school. I'll be in debt for the rest of my life. I'm so sorry, sweetie. You know, if we have the money, we give it to you. Maybe you should talk to financial aid. How did the meeting go? Horrible. It's like I'm in no man's land. My parents make too much money to qualify for financial aid, but not enough to actually pay for school. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know. You could get a job on campus. Tuition is $4,300 a month. I couldn't even make a dent in that with the types of jobs I could get. Don't waitresses make up money? I'm guessing you haven't waitressed. No. I always wanted a summer job, but my family goes to the Cape every summer. You're lucky. I did it once at a pie house, and the tips were awful. The customers were rude. It was kind of degrading. Can't you take out loans? I don't want to be in debt for the rest of my life. You know what? Screw it. I'll start a Ponzi scheme. That's too much work. You could rob a bank. Or become a porn star. <laughs> all right, guys. Real quick interruption just to tell you all about one of my new faves, Thrive Cosmetics. When it comes to beauty options, we have so many choices, so why not ask for more from your favorite brands? I'm motivated now more than ever to stick to high-quality, amazing products that are both vegan and cruelty-free. That's why I love Thrive Cosmetics. If you are looking for amazing coverage and long-lasting wear, look no further than Thrive Cosmetics. Plus, all of their products use clinically proven ingredients and are free of parabens and sulfates. Thrive Cosmetics sent me some of their products, and I have used them every single day for the last two weeks. It's my new go-to, and I have a lot of makeup. But the deal right now is that I'm trying to go for more of the no-makeup makeup look. And while you can build Thrive Cosmetics to be a little bit more dramatic, I just kind of throw them on in the morning and I feel really confident and pulled together. I'm obsessed right now with the Brilliant Eye Brightener. I got the color Aurora. It's like sort of a gold look that just looks really good on my eyes. I have blue eyes, which is why I also really love the Infinity Waterproof Eyeliner in Ella, which is like a chocolatey brown color. This color works so well for me that I've actually been playing around with it a lot and it looks really good if I put a little bit on one of my fingertips and just sort of blend it gently into my eyebrows. It reminds me of when I leave the salon and my my eyebrows have just been tinted and I'm really like feeling myself. That's for me my favorite brow look and so I'm very picky about what I put on them, how I deal with them and I really like the way Ello looks with just a little bit of like clear gel on top of it. It's inspired me to play, basically. And the eye brightener I also have used as a little bit of a highlighter as well. So if you're someone who doesn't really play with makeup and you want something that's approachable, this is one of the things I really like about Thrive Cosmetics. But my favorite thing about Thrive Cosmetics is that they give back. 
For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics makes a donation to a charity that helps women in need. Their causes include women experiencing homelessness, surviving domestic abuse, or fighting cancer. Thrive Cosmetics has been certified by Leaping Bunny and PETA as vegan and cruelty-free. They also give you an option to auto-renew so you never find yourself without your favorite products. I'm definitely getting more of that mascara every couple months, and I need more of the eye brightener. I'm going to try a ton of different shades, too. So start thriving and help women in need today by going to thrivecosmetics.com slash mother may I and enter the code mother may I at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Pay attention to the spelling here because it's cosmetics like cause C-A-U-S-E medics T-H-R-I-V-E C-A-U-S-E M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash M-O-T-H-E-R-M-A-Y-I. So, Mother May I. Okay. And then you want to enter just both in the URL, thrivecosmetics.com slash Mother May I, and then Mother May I once again at the checkout for 15% off your first purchase. So, I'm just going to say now, I think it's a little fucked up that her parents let her get all the way there, and now their delicate bank has been disturbed, and she needs to take out loans. I feel like this is all a big conversation that is really important to have beforehand, before you choose a college and go, especially knowing that she has a full ride. I think that she could have probably left the school and transferred to Vanderbilt the following semester. This is like one week into school. Isn't like, isn't it an option to sort of like eject yourself from the school altogether after the first week? Yeah, I think so. And like, I thought that this was insane. Again, another reason that I hated her parents, like all of this pressure that they put on her to like go to school and like follow whatever journey that they wanted her to go on. And then she gets there and they're like, by the way, we don't know how you're going to pay for it. It's like, well, should this have maybe be thought of, thought about like a tiny bit more? Or they also just let her have her way on this. Like she had the full ride. They said, you know, well, you do have a full ride to Vanderbilt. And basically she did like a please daddy. And, yes. you know, and like just that's these are not the types of decisions that can be made with a daddy please like at all. At all. This is like a full, they just let her have it. And I think that that, I think that this, you know, that was the beginning of the end for them. So it's pretty unlikable that she demanded to go to Duke, but, um, there's this other element for me where where she's consumed about the idea of having debt. And it's a little bit, I go 50 50 on this because I agree that college debt is huge. But if you're going to try and get into Duke and you're not willing to live in a world where you're going to bank on your future with the degree that you got, like, what are you doing going to Duke? Yeah. And I will say that that was one of the, I mean, aside from everything being absurdly accurate to her little YouTube documentary, that was one of the things that she talked about a lot was like, like, student loans like really scared her and that she had people in her family that like she's you know she's watching them and yeah, cause her parents were loans. educated like her dad's a doctor and she was saying you know you were paying off your medical school until your mid-30s and that there's something to be said for that i think that she was like start having that dialogue a little bit early for you know it's now a much more common dialogue but 
you know, when I was going to school, it was just sort of a non-negotiable that you would figure out how to get through school. Um, and for a lot of people, that meant taking out insane loans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're going to see her on the lawn. She's looking at her tablet, um, trying to find jobs um, in the Student Resource Center. And she sees the jobs are like seven twenty-five an hour, basically, which is a dollar more than I got paid in college. I was a little bit jealous. Um, this technology, by the way, I'm like living for. Like they do such a good job of... Uh, I just thought they did a really good job with like... Um, the Facebook, the sort of yeah. the way they, put, they did this thing with the tablet where anytime she was looking at a tablet, you would see what she was seeing superimposed onto one of the sides of the screen. I thought it was really good. And like when she would zoom in, it would like zoom in on what she was like looking at, but like get rid of everything else. They did a really good job. I think they did a good job, too, especially with um, like the Twitter, Facebook of it all, uh, that Instagram. It seemed very realistic to like porn twitter standards yeah um so she texts amy that she's not sure what she's gonna do and amy just responds you're gonna be okay and miriam sees other girls passing in the quad and their expensive accessories and to be honest these are like lifetime movie versions of glamour it's very much like with the bling ring where they were stealing mark jacobs bags or, or like mark michael kors bags like the girls are carrying like Betsy Johnson accessories and like they, they they're nice like they're nice for an average person but it's so interesting to see this, these things as like the items that she covets like it's just <laughs> for the extremes that she goes to <laughs> I wrote in my notes that the bling ring actually could have like maybe possibly learned a thing or two because this movie was doing it on like a bare minimum like effort and like the bling ring really gave no effort at all like they at least in this movie were giving you like a little michael kors fantasy like in the bling ring they, it was literally jc penny's back to school clothes yeah we needed those girls to uh yeah mm-hmm. yeah so um she tells amy that everyone at this school is rich and she doesn't get it and amy's just like listen take out the loans and i will say that the feeling of not understanding why you're not as rich as other people is very real i remember feeling like kind of just like confused about it like genuine confusion about it throughout a lot of my like college years and 20s just why other people my age who were supposedly in my situation like starting their lives out um were doing so much better it was just not it wasn't comp it wasn't something i could comprehend because even when my mom did marry someone with a lot of money, it was never given to me ever. And so I just, and that's, it was all for the, it was all for the best. Right. But it still sort of made me not realize that I had so many people. I knew that their parents were incredibly financially generous with them. And, um, yeah, it just, it, it, I totally like had a moment when I heard her say that. And I was like, I could see that being the thing to drive you. Like, she's 18. She's supposed to be, like, 18 years old. And it's, like, at that point in your life, all of your decisions are sort of based on your peers, right? Like, what you see other other people around you doing. And I related a lot to her friend just being, like, take out loans. Like, that was, like, a conversation that I forgot was so normal at that time of people just being, like, oh, I just did loans. I did a $300,000 loan. And that just being so normal, like, at that time, like you said, people are much more aware now i think but like back then like you just took out the loan like that was a normal thing if every you know everybody around you was doing it 
Yeah, I I can't handle the idea of debt. Debt really scares me. And I know that I, I'm very blown away and sort of amazed by the people that can have $70,000 in credit card debt from not just like school or whatever, but just like the people that spend money that overextend themselves. And I guess there's a lot more of that in LA that's going on than I than I really ever comprehend. Like, you know, the flashy cars, the people that you're sort of like, how did you get that lease on that car or whatever? Um but I, yeah, I really think about it, and I would rather have very little or nothing than have debt. It's just terrifying to me. I agree. Because it's suffocating. Yeah, it, it, like, impedes your entire life. Like, you literally can't do anything. And, like, whoever you are in end up in a relationship with, like, it also affects that. You know what I mean? Like, it really, it fucks you up. Yeah, it's um it's difficult cuz some people also don't feel that guilt necessarily. Some people are fine just racking it up and I I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. Um yeah. But I understand also people can get into that situation for a variety of reasons. Um yeah. anyway. Um so Miriam sits in her bed and she searches how to become a porn star from just like her little dorm room. And she finds kinkyjobs.com and sets up an account. She calls herself Belle and Knox. Um, she's named herself Belle after Belle from Beauty and the Beast. I put together later, oh, Belle likes reading. That's probably partially yeah. why. Um, so Jolie's sleeping in her bed while Miriam tries on some lingerie in the closet and takes photos of herself. Um, I wrote my notes. For what it's worth, her body's fucking amazing. Yeah. This actress is a slamming bod. This actress also does do a really good job of that cliche of like, just take off your glasses and you're beautiful. Like it really, like she takes off her like square, her like square framed glasses and literally turns into like this little adorable thing. Yeah. She's very like naive and innocent. Like she's that total barely legal look. Um, Okay. So um, the next day she's walking through campus when she gets a phone call and it's this guy he tells her that he, you know, she has a nice voice on the phone and he asks her how she's doing. He says he saw her pictures and she looks exactly like the kind of sexy girl he needs. He asks if this will be her first scene and she says yes. So she asks what the site is for and he says facial assault. We're a hardcore fetish site. And she's rightfully nervous when she hears that. Um, she says she doesn't know if she can do it. But he's like, listen, it's 1200 bucks for a day of work. You'll be flown to New York and have a nice hotel paid for you. Um, you said you're in a BDSM. I don't know why you wouldn't want to take the money. It's just for a little bit of work. So she packs her bags. And when Jolie gets back, she tells her that her friend Amy is having a meltdown and she's going to need to meet her in D.C. And Jolie's really sad to hear this because she just organized a movie night in a pajammy jammy jam. <laughs> a pajammy jammy jam a pajammy jammy jam and like she barely like i love it because like miriam barely reacts to it. she's like oh like and then the neighbor she doesn't say it like it's not even like a feigned like oh i'm sorry to miss it um so the neighbor jeff that she met at the party stops by and he's like you coming to the pajammy jammy jam tonight and jolie says no she's gonna be at georgetown she goes bring me back a number of a future senator i'm serious y'all <laughs> i i fucking love her um so the plane lands in new york and on the bottom of the screen we see facialassault.com brooklyn new york so 
I died when this happened because it was like first of all this wasn't the like the theme for the rest of the movie they didn't do like every set like this so it was it was just sort of random to just see facialassault.com come up as like a location <laughs> um now you i have you seen hot girls wanted yeah i, I have and they talk a little bit about facial assault in that right Yes. And I actually, so I like Googled Belle's first scene because I wanted to see how accurate Lifetime was really going to get this porn shoot. And when I first, when I, the first time that I watched the movie, because I watched it now, I think three times. And the first time that I watched it, I was like, kind of like laughing to myself, like, oh my God, like this director is so, such a cliche, seedy, like just say your name with a dad in line. Like he's like, you know, like ashing in her face, basically, like just so cliche. Yeah, we're going to play the scene in a little bit. But yeah, I mean, keep going. You looked it up. I looked it up and every single moment is almost spot on. His voice sounds exactly like that. Like it was pretty, it was eerily accurate for Lifetime. I was like blown away. Let's play the clip of him um, meeting her right when she comes in, um, leading up to her getting her makeup done. That's 1908 to 2010. There she is. Belle, sweetheart, come on in here. Hi. Stand over there is going to do your makeup, get you changed. You excited? I am. It's your first scene, right? Yes. Well, we love first timers, huh? Oh, yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hi, um, I'm your, I mean, Belle. Yeah, Sienna. Have a seat, hon. I've never had my makeup done. Yeah, well, guys like it natural? I'm just going to bump you up a bit. Okay. This is what they want you to wear. You got shoes? Yeah. Um, where should I change? Right here. We're all about to see it all anyway. <laughs> There's a bathroom just down the hall. I need you to sign this release before we get going. Just says you get paid after we finish the scene. Nobody's going to sue anybody. You're 18, blah, blah, blah. Just sign it. There you go. So it's just as easy as that. You know, um, there's a crew waiting there for her. He says hi. She goes to makeup. I've been to the set of Asian Chicks 9. It was one of um, one of my assignments when I was working freelance to go and shoot some video interviews. I was behind the camera for the interview parts. And I have to say it was like a really lovely experience. Um, and it was very, you know, everyone there is professional. This isn't one of the sets that's considered to be professional it's considered to be the opposite of that but I will say that they're pretty standard someone comes to do a job and there's a couple crew members there and it's you know it's a job um, and this is a very broke down version of that and as we're going to find out also a really unethical version of that um, but when we come back from commercials she's just gotten her makeup done and is ready to do her first scene kind of um, we're going to see later that her later scenes you're it's the total opposite vibe of this but let's play 2015 to 2240 you're leaving? yeah I don't stay for the shoot time well, this is your co-star, Buck, and he likes to, uh, well, you know. Uh, hi, uh, it's nice to meet you. Yeah, sure. This is gonna be a fun one. <laughs> All right, let's roll. Have a seat. 
So, what's your name? Um, Belle Knox. Belle, like Beauty and the Beast, you know? Oh, you like fairy tales? We got a real special fairy tale for you. Are you a slut, Belle? <laughs> oh, we'll see about that. How old are you? What do you do, slut? Um, I I'm 18 and I go to college. Oh, what do you study? <laughs> women's studies and law? Yeah, women's studies. You a feminist? Yeah. A feminazi. That's what we call them. What are you doing at facial assault? You must really be a dumb slut. Um, I like rough sex. You think so, huh? Do you have any idea what you're in for? I don't think she does. We're gonna teach you a lesson in feminism you will never forget. <laughs> you know you got a really dumb laugh. <laughs> Would you shut up? <laughs> Stand up. Wait, wait. Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Take off your top. Okay. He's got something to put in your mouth. It's gonna make you shut up. Uh, uh, no, wait, stop, stop. Time out. You're actually hurting me. It's not what I signed up for. It's exactly what you signed up for. And if you don't finish the scene, you don't get paid. It's very unprofessional, though. We all showed up to work. You'll never work again. I'll finish, but you don't have to hit so hard. I can make it look real, okay? Yeah, okay. Okay, let's do it. I hear a cutter. I said, open your mouth. You cannot cut away the fact that you are a worthless, dumb, slut. <laughs> So I found that really hard to watch, uh, really upsetting, and it freaks me out that there's guys who are into that. So in the real one, they are initially, like, they interview her for, like, a really long time because they're blown away by, A, how smart she is, and, B, that she's, um, like, a feminist studies major and that she's like, wants to go into law and that she's doing porn. And, like, they just, they cannot wrap their heads around it. They think that she's like an enigma wrapped in a riddle and cash. They don't get it. <laughs> and they are like disgusting. Like these guys are vile. So it like gives them all the more reason to want to like abuse her. Cause they think that she like, Oh, they're like, Oh, you little smarty pants bitch. Like we're going to fucking break you now. Like it's that, it's that dominant thing where it's like any edge that this girl thinks she has on us, whether it's just like her naivete or her like, you know, time in the library. Like we're going to strip her of that. And it's fucking upsetting. And. I do know from Hot Girls Wanted, which is a really good documentary. If you guys haven't seen it on Netflix, it is about, um, you know, porn stars, amateur porn stars that are living in Florida. And we learn from that that facial assault is basically like the lowest yeah. porn on the like the wrong. Like it's the lowest rung out there. And the girl in the documentary who primarily does facial assault is really tough, like She's a fucking tough-ass bitch. Like, she seems like she, like, could fight back if she really wanted to, you know? So, it's it's interesting. Um, 
it's it's interesting to see that this was her first scene just based on the fact that you know in hot girls wanted it was so explicit that this is like basically one of the most degrading types of scenes that you could do i wrote this down in my notes last night i said um i'm not sure if it's 100 percent fair to most of the girls who choose to film these scenes because they absolutely that could be their kink and they might be very proud of getting to portray that role um and you want to appreciate everything about this scene because in some sense you want to appreciate everything about this moment in some sense but right away it also sets up this dynamic with the audience that there's no way that people could really do something like this the feminist in me sort of feels like we're assuming that that couldn't be her choice and or pointing out um pointing it out that way for people just to understand it all better i'm not really sure so i'm not you know i don't really know if this was like just like the cruelest sort of example they could show i also am sure that she was actually truly very fucked up by this scene but I don't know. It's sort of it does sort of like reverse kink shame itself in some ways because it it sort of like labels this thing as inherently bad, but that but that particular interaction was inherently bad. So, I don't yeah, know. I just terrible. I wish that yeah, I wish that there was uh, you know, we had someone like uh, right here that could tell us like so, you know, sort of like from the perspective of people that do porn like Yeah. If sort of some of the cautionary tales throughout this sort of also really deflate like what it is that they really do, like these people that have been in the game and that will come up later on that sort of bell being the spokesperson for um, people who are porn stars is like, you know, really kind of fucked up to the porn stars that have been in this for a long time. Like she sort of like dipped in, you know, as this like college student and, you know, made a name for herself, sort of made herself the face of the porn industry which i think a lot of people think is unfair so i would love to know from like someone who has done porn if they think that this movie overall like served any sort of good thing for the community or if this is just kind of all a disaster i don't really know what i'm trying to say do you know what i mean no i completely understand what you mean like because it's so multifaceted like it's so layered and like every girl that goes into into a shoot like that doesn't view it the same way and I don't know, like there was even a moment you could tell that they just wanted like for her, if we're talking specifically about her, it was really bad. And you can tell that they really wanted to break her because they thought she was smart. Like there was even a moment where they like made her stand up and they're like judging her body. And the guy started like squeezing her stomach and like saying stuff like, how can you be so skinny, but so fat? And like clearly seeing that she has like issues, you know what I mean? Like it was horrifying yeah but it's also weird and ironic because i think um i read that like she wasn't sure if she was going to be honest in like the movies that she did about like what she was doing and like being in school or if that was going to like all just kind of be pushed aside and like obviously that became like her brand and them exploiting it so intensely in that first movie kind of set the tone ironically for like the rest of her porn career yeah 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 uh i did not see the real scene but i yeah if i if it was anything like the scene we saw in the movie it's you know it's a really sickening like position to think about being in yeah um so the hotel that they put her up in it looks like a very cheap hotel by the airport and she gets a call from paul as she turns on the shower 
to get in there and have a good cry, um, which is a well-earned cry. And he asked her how Duke is and how everything's going. And she can't really talk to her brother and comprehend everything she's been going through. And he's at a church charity event reminding her of the person that she was not too long ago. And here she is keeping what feels like a very shameful secret at the time. Um, And without being in this exact position, I've definitely felt this way in my life, like where I'm sort of talking to someone who knows a past version of myself. And, you know, I just feel like I think I felt this more when I just felt guilty about fucking everything when I was like super Catholic. But I remember just, you know, certain times like after smoking pot, I remember like talking to like an adult in my life and just feeling like if they only knew like what I who I am now. You know, I'm such a I'm such a flop. Like this is not the person that they sent off into the world. Um, But yeah, so back at school, she's looking up some stuff about facial assault from other people who have worked with them before. And every person is saying that they are unprofessional and awful to work with. And one of the girls mentions a guy named Don, who is a manager for porn stars. Um, Miriam looks him up and gives him a call and he answers right away. Now, just so you guys know, Don is Judd Nelson. From the Breakfast Club. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don is like... He's played by Judd Nelson. Like, that's literally the actor. I know. And, like, he honestly is, like, one of my secret, like, favorite things about the movie. Yeah, Don's great until he's not great anymore. Don is, like, fantastic. Um, By the way, he is uh, fucking working right now. Judd Nelson has, like, one, two, three, four, five, six. He has has, uh, five films in post, and he's filming one. Dude's killing it. Good for him. Yeah, he's working. Um, But, yeah, no, Don's great till he's not so great. Um, That, yeah, that was, yeah, we'll see. So... 453 to 2609. Hi, is this Don at Pinatis Models? Yeah, how can I help you? That's it. Hi, uh, my name is Belle, and I just did my first scene with a site called Facial Assault. Facial Assault are unprofessional clowns that prey on women new to the business. Your first scene should be something nice and sweet, like girl on girl, not hardcore facial. You probably didn't have a safe word. No, what is that? Everyone on set, before the cameras roll, is given the safe word. So then while you're shooting, if anyone feels uncomfortable, you just call out the safe word, everyone stops what they're doing. Make sure that everyone's okay. That's actually why I'm calling you. I'm wondering how your agency works. I mean, I'm a student, and I really need to pay my tuition. It's a super expensive school. What's the school? Duke. Duke? Ah, that's a school for smart kids. But nobody can know, so I'd have to work when I'm not in school. Well, send me some pictures. That's the first thing you got to do. And if I decide to represent you... Well, you can make some real money, even only working on the weekend. Okay. Thank you so much for being so nice. No, I'm not being nice, Belle. I'm being professional. Okay? Send me those pictures. Bye. Um... I love that he's so professional with her. And that he's, like, you know, very quick to point out that, like... This isn't niceness. This is how people who work together speak to each other. Um, which is, you know, she's never had that. It is weird to think of her not ever having a job um, up until then. Like, really, she worked at a pie house one summer. But, like, she doesn't really have a lot of, you know, experience with 
a professional workplace. Like this girl is so out of her league in every capacity throughout this whole movie. Um, it's kind of shocking she's alive, if I'm being real with you. Yeah, I agree. She's so fucking naive. I feel a little bit that way about myself. Like, I remember I was in a pretty dangerous area not that long ago, and I was waiting for my Uber, and I'm just, like, clueless, you know? And these guys walked past, and they were, like, definitely signaling to, like, meet up on a corner and do something. And they just saw me, and I was just such a non-threat to them (laughs) that they smiled at me and continued with their business. (laughs) And I got into my Uber and I said to the guy, he's like, how you doing? I was like, oh, I was like, I just realized that like I probably could have or should have been killed so many times in my life. But people look at me and they're like, she's too fucking stupid to kill. Like, don't bother. Like, she's not she's not worth it. She doesn't even know where she is. Like, (laughs) I I truly believe that like I have just gotten by several times in life because people are like, look at that clueless loser. Like, You know, just like, how could you hurt her? Like, you know, it's not worth it. So Miriam gets a call from Amy and Amy wants to know if she's going to be coming back for Thanksgiving. She tells her she's not going to make it. She needs to save the money and she's going to have a small dinner with her friends. But it turns out that that's a lie because Jolie is going home to NOLA for the holiday. Um, She asked Miriam what the hell she's packing because she's only bringing home pajamas to bum around in. And Miriam's like, oh, I just like to be prepared. But she's actually flying into LAX to film her first big scenes. Um, Don is very surprised when he picks her up at the airport. She's even prettier in person than she was in the photos. He welcomes her to the City of Angels, and we get a very party in the USA type montage as she's driving through Hollywood. Of all Um, places, right around the airport. (laughs) Yeah, no, like right by Randy's Donuts, and then they just go to stock footage of like the Hollywood sign. There was even a moment where they drove past Tower Records, and this movie came out in 2017. Like, I'm pretty sure that Tower Records thing was taken down like eight years ago. (laughs) I can't be certain. It was just like vintage B-roll. So she arrives to um, a house that seems to be sort of like the house in Hot Girls Wanted, which is just sort of like, you know, a real Team 10. It's a talent incubator. Like they they just have all these. It is like Team 10. Wow. That just hit me as it was coming out of my mouth. That was profound. Wow. They have all of these porn stars that work under Don. It literally is Team 10 because Don's taken 10%. <laughs> it's really okay so they all live in this house and this is where they film a lot it's where the girls sort of stay it's like basically feels a lot like the like the playboy mansion um room tours that they used to do where it would just be like all this like crap from bath and body works and like cheap lingerie and like just like sort of like crap like (laughs) like wicker furniture yes those girls always had just like so much shit around their rooms and that's exactly what this house feels like it feels like 20 girls live in a room uh, house together so um Miriam's really surprised when she gets there. Basically, she asked no questions at all going into this. Like, you can tell that she did not ask about her accommodations. Like, you can tell, like, she had no idea what she was rolling up to. And I don't know if that was, like, super intentional in the movie or if it just really sort of played that way. But, yeah, she asked no questions. Let's play 2832 to 2953. Here we are. I thought you'd be more comfortable up here. Oh, that is Missy. She's doing sexy Twitter pics. 
The girls stay here when they need to. They come and go as they please. Everything's very professional. You have to remember, Belle, this is a business. If you want to work and keep working, you show up on time. You do what you're told. You're pleasant to work with. And you thank everyone when you're done. Of course. Hello, Dora. You look beautiful. Mm, thank you. Belle, this is Dora, your scene partner. Hey. Dora, this is Belle's first legitimate adult scene. So, be nice. Oh, my gosh, girl. Welcome. <laughs> you are so cute. Oh, my God, this is going to be so much fun. Now, have you ever been with a girl? Well, I've actually identified as bisexual for a while, but I've never fully explored it, so I'm kind of excited. Me too. It's going to be super fun. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand-friendly, but don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.